So you have the project coming out this Friday, right? Friday, yes. Friday release day. <laughs> 171? 171, yeah. It looks like you've been on a Seraphin audio run yeah. since 2022. Yeah, pretty much. Well, Lucas um, Iori, who runs Seraphin, he's been a very good friend of mine for a long time and has always been a really great support. And initially he started, our connection started by him mixing my first tracks that I was releasing. Um, and we just got along really well musically and as friends. Um, and then when I was, when I'd finished or somewhat finished the, the album that I put out early this year, um, I was struggling to find help. I mean, not help, but basically I just didn't have the, the needs or sorry, not the needs, um, like the funds or the, what, it, what it took to like mix and master it or pay for mixing and master. resources yeah i didn't have the resources to you know and it was it was tricky to find a label that were going to help me release it um and at the end of the day i just asked lucas and who had always you know offered to help out if i wanted to release music um so he just said look i'll mix and master it for you if you want to release it we can just do that and it doesn't have to cost you which was a huge bonus obviously um, because yeah, I, I wanted to have it sounding really nice and crispy and tasty. So it was just a kind of a, uh, a no brainer. And I've, and I've always really, I've always been a fan of Seraphine and I remember first discovering them maybe in 2016 or 2017. And I was amazed at the music and, um, that was before I'd even started producing, I think. And, uh, so it was always kind of a dream come true to be able to release on Seraphine. So. And now you're like a resident. Yeah, that's the, I guess so. And I, um, because I finished the, these songs also at the beginning of the year when I was already releasing the album, obviously when you're producing, you always finish songs and it takes a long time for the process to happen to, to release them eventually. Um, and again, he was really fast and just said, hey, look, we can get this out by summertime if you want, you know? And I just thought, sweet, let's do it. I don't like, I just want it to be out there. You know, I don't want to wait around. Uh, it's the one thing that I don't like about releasing music is that it takes time from when you finish it to when you actually release it to the world. Sometimes it's a, it takes up to a year sometimes, you know, and it's a weird thing because by the time that year rolls around, you're already, you've progressed so much further than where you were when you finished those, those songs. And then that representation of you as a year old where you, and I've always felt this, like my productions were a, a better now than what they were a year ago. And so I just want to like get it out there as fast as possible. Iori like flooded the, the internet with music, like and a lot of other producers have done over the years. And, um, I just, yeah, I want to put music out there and I want to share what I'm doing. And I just want it to be out there as soon as I'm finished with it. Cause I can move on as well and do something else. I've been a fan of Seraphin Audio ever since I discovered the label, and I'm a big fan of Viore. And in my travels and meeting other music people, so many people have specifically mentioned Iori as this hmm. really brilliant music being. And yeah, it shows up and the quality is super crisp. So it's great that you found a home in Seraphin Audio. Um, you recorded the album yeah. 
in your parents' house in New Zealand. Is that right? Yeah, the album was recorded at my parents' house. Yeah, it was the bedroom below their bedroom, um, which was pretty crazy. But I was just, yeah, it was funny. It was um, obviously I I went back to New Zealand uh, at the end of 2020 for my sister's wedding. My sister was getting married, so I thought so. I went back just for a couple of months, and then. Um, COVID was kind of not really happening in New Zealand at that time. So I decided to stay longer and I was getting booked to play shows there. So I just thought I'll stay. And then it ended up being a whole year and a half that I was there. And then obviously I was just living at my parents' house. Um, and just, I had like gigs. I found some sort of part-time work every now and then, but I wasn't really working. Obviously just living at mom and dad's house. I could get away with it a little bit. Um, and I was just writing music. I was just uh-huh. drilling it. I don't know. I didn't really have any. I mean, I I think when I went back, I did have this desire to put in some time to put together a body of work. And I, I, I do remember wanting to do that. Um, but I didn't really have any structure around it. I just wrote music, just produce, 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 produce. And just kind of, it took me a long time to gather what the body of work was eventually. But um it was once I had it, that was where the time took. It took longer to then get to the final stages, which is what Iori helped me um, achieve by taking me on board. You said there wasn't a lot of structure built around it. Um, were you spending a lot of time just playing around with songwriting and seeing what was flowing for you at the moment? Yeah. I find for myself, I guess I'm not really too clear on what it is that i'm creating but i find sometimes i have Mm. to like build structure to show up and put in put in the work was it coming to you easily or how much time were you spending on music every day i mean it would it would vary but in the in the in this i i started working for my uncle in like the september of that year so i had less time on it then but pretty much for maybe six or seven months it would have been at least four to six hours a day for sure um because i wasn't working and i was just bumming off mum and dad um i would just wake up eat breakfast and then just go sit in my room and just make music all day and then start smoking weed at some point and then continue making music into the evening and I had this routine for a long time and I didn't really have any structure. Some days I'd be like, cool, I'm into this project. I like this piece of music I'm working on. I'm going to I'm gonna develop it more and more and more. And then other days I would come back and I'd be bored by it. So I'd try to start something fresh. So a lot of the time, many ideas are started and only a few of them are finished. So there was a lot of um, trial and error, if you will, of like different ideas and then I would go back and go through the projects and think, oh, let's see what this one sounds like. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I made that last week. Let me um, see if I can do something else with it. And it would just kind of slowly and slowly the ones that were meant to be, I guess, started to become the ones that were. They just, Mm. they took, they took, they took um, form themselves almost, you know, like they just, somehow they just worked, I guess. Which is weird. I don't know how it works. I don't know how. I don't know how this stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. That, like, in terms of making a song, you know, how do you know that this is what you need to do? It's it's really interesting when you're making music how it just comes out of somewhere, 
um, you play some chords, you do something with your guitar, you do something on Ableton, it turns into this thing, and then all of a sudden you get inspired by it, so you develop it further. Um, so it's really interesting how those songs became those songs. I don't really know. I just kind of went with it and enjoyed it, I think. It was, you know, it's a really enjoyable process. Rick Rubin's become the spokesman of creative source <laughs> energy these days, um, which is really... Exactly. It's, it's a fascinating topic. And I think hearing you talk about your process and how the tracks sort of made themselves, it's like, you know, you're going in there and you have a level of skill and ability and you're having intentional flow kind of fun in a way. And then what's whatever is resonating with you, you're putting more of your attention into and then it's crafting into these these tracks that made it to us and um it's awesome exactly I'm, yeah i went back and watched some of your instagram videos from around that time and you were doing these really warm pieces with your mother and father and yes. i thought it was so cool um mm. i personally to give you feedback on that, I personally am very turned off by like the cookie cutter promo vibe in the electronic music scene. Like, I, I don't know, it turns me off a bit. And yeah. when someone's just being real and gives you a little taste of this cute moment with their parents, I don't know. I felt way more interested in listening to your music, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so that was a good move. Yeah. Your dad was making funny jokes. And, you know, <laughs> I just watched the one today where your mom is talking about how you asked her to listen to a track that you just finished. And her and your father laid down on the bed and uh, intentionally listened and she came out of the song crying and was just like amazed yeah. by the magic that's going on in this house. And that's beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that first of all. And second of all, like, let's just get some more of that. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, what your relationship with your parents is for you and how it is being home part of the time and then being in Berlin. Um, it seems like you guys have a really good understanding and you have their support and I know how much that can enable someone to expand. So what's that been like for you? They've always been such a, a huge support for me ever since, um, you know, my musical journey started as a child. I, I learned guitar because of my dad. He plays guitar. His whole family of musicians. Um, so he was playing guitar and everyone in my family was. So it was kind of natural that I I stepped into it. And they were always, you know, very just super supportive. And on all the years of, of the bands I played in in high school, driving me to the rehearsal and doing all the things and helping me out and just always there and always just really encouraging which was really so helpful um and then sending me off to go to a, i went to an audio engineering school after high school for a couple of years um and then eventually when i booked a plane ticket to berlin i just turned 21 
I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea about electronic music. I didn't know anything. I just, I wanted to go to Berlin and explore and, and I'd heard about it, that it was this musical artistic place. And they were just, they were like, go, go for it. Go and live it up, you know, like do your thing. And that was really helpful. And, and it really allowed me to just be feel safe on the other side of the world when you know that your home structure is so strong and it's such a blessing to have that. Um, and still to this day, um, you know, whenever I call them, they're always so proud and <laughs> I would love to, I haven't, they haven't visited Berlin yet, but, um, I would love to hopefully one day show them around, um, take them to Sissy first or something. <laughs> you said you went to Berlin when you were 21 years old. Is that when you moved there? Did you stay? Yeah, I stayed. Yeah. Um, I booked a one-way flight and um, I knew one guy that lived here. I'd met a couple of German travelers in New Zealand a couple of years prior to leaving and became friends with them. And then when they left, they just said, hey, if you ever come to Germany, like hit us up, come and stay, you know. And I just took it on a whim and just randomly one time I'd, I'd, I kind of, I actually failed my second year of the auto engineering school. Um because I just I was just smoking too much weed and jamming out in the studio instead of actually doing the the work. Um, so, <laughs> but it was it was I learned a lot. But anyway, um, you know I met these German guys and then it was my connection to the other side of the world. So I just you know I'd, I'd saved up some money after I'd been working for a little bit and bought the flight and just I had no intention really except for to grow as a musician, to grow as a person, because I knew it was a musical place and I knew it was going to be big and international and something special. Um, but I had no idea what it was going to be. And I knew the one guy who lived here and he'd offered me um, a place on his couch for, you know, as long as I needed. And I just turned up. I had a big, like, traveling backpack and a guitar, you know, just like this young 21-year-old. Here we go. Um and within four days, I was playing on the street with someone, you know, because um, I, I moved to Berlin as a, and I still am at the core, uh, a guitar player and a singer. Um, and I've done that most of my life, uh, which is why in a lot of the music, you can hear the guitar influence and obviously the vocals and stuff. Um, but I came to Berlin and I saw people playing on the street with a street amplifier. And I just thought that's what I should do. You know, and I, I met these two Australian girls um, who were sisters. Met them in the hostel, the first hostel that I stayed at. And then they just invited me out. And so within you know, literally four days, I was out playing on the street. And then the funny thing was that after that, we went and had some beers at a hostel across the road. And the next thing you know, it's Monday night and we're going to Trezor to like go to some techno party or something. Um, and you know, spend the whole night there. And on the Tuesday morning at 8 a.m., I walk out into this glorious sunshine day. And I haven't even been in Berlin for a week, and I'm walking home from the club on a Tuesday morning. And I'm just like, What is this crazy place? This is outrageous. Like, it was just, I couldn't believe it, <laughs> you know. And it was, it hadn't even been a week, and I was just like, Oh my god. <laughs> And prior to Berlin, what was your exposure to the electronic music scene? There's a really big drum and bass music scene in New Zealand. 
so drum and bass rules New Zealand. Um, so I was just totally in love with drum and bass. <laughs> and and I remember not understanding techno. And I remember thinking, why is it? Like, what is this? <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd been to some, I think I'd been to some sort of techno parties in New Zealand, but it wasn't really a thing there at all. It was just drum and bass all the way. And I was totally into that. And I remember the first few times going up to clubs here being confused and not knowing what this music was and I was like where's the drum and bass I want to go I want some drum and bass because drum and bass is it's massive in New Zealand was there a bit of uh an acquired taste thing going on with the music you were experiencing in Berlin like did you on on week two were you like holy shit I get it now and you're in flow and you're loving it or did you never really like techno well it took a I went out a few times um and I was still like, okay, cool, four to the floor, techno music, like European thing. Sure, I get it, right, cool. Um, but then all it took was um, I went on a three-week trip around Europe, like an interrail train trip. And I ended up bumping into some friends or running into some friends and we went out in Basel in Switzerland to a club called Nordstern, which is kind of like second best next to Burkine, supposedly, in terms of, like, sound system or whatever. Um, and she's like, oh, this DJ Maceoplex is playing. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. And that was the night that I got it, you know. It was a combination of Maceoplex, amazing sound system, obviously some sort of, like, enhancing substances. And it just, like, clicked in my brain. And I remember thinking, oh, I get it. Like, everyone's just, like, in the club. <laughs> You know, and I, and I think since that moment I was hooked because it was a real like switch for me and I finally like understood because I had to have that experience, you know, and it had to be, it was incredible. It's a door that opens, right? Exactly. I remember my, for, for me, I had it in phases. Like I, I went to this party in Tulum and it was really like the first proper rave I had been to. And I had moments on the dance floor of feeling ounces of flow, but then quickly my mind coming back and just feeling resistance and not really understanding it, but understanding that there's something going on here. And then it must have been two or three parties later where I fell into flow for like 15 minutes straight <laughs> and i came out of that and i was like holy shit <laughs> all right now we're talking and yeah to be honest that's that's what i'm looking for when i go to a party or a show is really like a sound system that mm. enables uh, that door to open and then the space to actually move and then a, an active dance floor would be greatly appreciated. Mm. And the last couple parties I've gone to, I, I've struggled to find that, uh, there wasn't a lot of yeah. space to move and mm. yeah, I just didn't, didn't enjoy it. Um, but to, to shift that and to rather keep it on a positive note, um, you go to, you go to Masioplex, you've fallen into the techno yeah. spell, you get it. 
at what point does that start showing up in your bedroom studio <laughs> sessions and all of a sudden your music's taking an electronic turn? What was that like? This, I mean, there was definitely at least a two-year period between these two moments um, because I just obviously touched the tip of the iceberg and when I went back to Berlin, um, I went through my first winter, winter of 2014 and started going out to the club, started going regularly, started just Sisyphus, Carter, Sisyphus, Carter Blau, like just constantly, all the time, just, I don't know, I was young, it was winter, I had some money, I was like, what else am I going to do, you know? Um, but little, I had no intention to make it or anything, nothing, I wasn't really too worried about that but I was still focusing on writing songs and being a songwriter because that's what I want to do I want to be in a band I want to be write like jazzy blues riffs and stuff and kind of be like John Mayer but <laughs> but um yeah I'd 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 got a I'd got a new MacBook at that time and I'd started kind of I was like oh maybe I should uh I need to produce some songs because I need, I want to sell a CD when I play on the street next year. So I would like record my songs and make a CD and sell that in the summertime. So that was my, I, I produced a little bit in high school. I learned how to produce a little bit there. And also when at my, um, the sick or the tertiary education that I did when I went to the auto engineering school, learned a little bit about production. And so I wasn't new to it, but I was still the first time that I was creating my music and recording my songs. So that was my entry level into production. You know, I was like making little beats and for my songs and stuff. Um, and then it wasn't until 2016 that I made this kind of like really slow, dark, down tempo track. Um, and I just made it just because I felt like it. I just discovered Niju and um who's obviously an amazing like slow down tempo artist um my partner at the time put me on to him and i just fell in love with this like immensely dark downbeat music um and i just you know i got inspired so i just tried to make something like that myself like this kind of ethereal guitar with a slow beat and you know and i'm i produced this track and Actually, I, sh I, d I just put it on the shelf for for almost a year. And then a year later, I, f I was like, oh, that's right, this song. Because I'd just been like making beats. I'd just learning how to make beats, any kind of beats, whatever. You know, I was surrounded by friends who were all making beats, which was really, really helpful. Um, and then, yeah, and then I pulled up this project and managed to like polish it off. And I put it on SoundCloud and a friend of mine who's a, who was a DJ at the time, he reposted it and it had a good following and it just kind of like skyrocketed in its own small way, you know. It wasn't viral, but it definitely, it got a lot of plays, which I'd never had before. And it was maybe like the third or the fourth song that I'd put on SoundCloud and it had heaps of plays. And I was like, whoa, people like this kind of music. This is the first time anyone's ever given any sort of response to any music I've put on the internet. Because um, I was still just figuring it out. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing it, you know. Um, I'm st I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's, you know. Um, yeah. It, and it just kind of, when when that happened and when people responded to it, I I took an interest to it. And, and I liked the music. And I, and I remember also being out 
in the clubs often and just wondering about who was making all of this music. Who was because every weekend it's different music DJs are playing all these amazing tracks, and I was like, where does this come from? Like, what? There must be like thousands of people making all these songs. Like, I had no perception of like what it could be and i was really um intrigued by it you know and i think that's pushed me as well i was like well i mean maybe, maybe i can do it you know and i just got really inspired and started just like okay floor of the floor let's go like i'm just gonna go for it you know and it was a it was a long and steady process wow how was the community aspect of living in berlin what was what was that impact like on your musical evolution in terms of inspiration and then also like knowledge trade, if you will? Like you said, a lot of your friends are making beats. Um, were you spending studio time together and sharing tips and tricks? Uh, how, how significant was it to be in Berlin while you were finding your sound? It was, I, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it, but for me, it was the perfect place to be it was you just surrounded by so many people so many amazing creative people people that are the same age as you doing the same thing but they've been doing it a bit longer so they know more and um one of my closest friends francesco he's an amazing producer and he was making crazy beats at the time still does and he was a huge um a huge help for me and he was the one who encouraged me to to dive deeper and like showed me how to side chain and kick drum to the bass, you know, to the bass line and, and just, and I met all of these people through the, through the street music scene as well. And the, I was just surrounded by people because there's just musicians everywhere in the city. And, um, I was very fortunate to be able to play guitar where I was able to connect with people through my guitar playing, which would, uh, people would want to, get me to play in their project or play for their band or do some session work or so that was a huge connector for me was being able to play the guitar and that's how that led me to a lot of people but it was yeah it was just really special to have lots of friends that were close by that could show me what to do or just share shed a little light on on what it is that you know electronic music could be the word musician can take on a lot of different meanings uh, when I when I'm talking to someone who really plays musical instruments, um, I, I view that in like another light of being a musician. And I wanted to ask you about your relationship with music in the context of sitting uh, on a rocking chair by yourself in the woods somewhere and just connecting with the guitar. Um, and I would imagine for someone like you, there's a lot of space and there's there's room for that. And then on the other side of it, how important is it to have another ear, another heart to share the music with? Um, part of the reason I asked this question is because I bought a, uh, you can kind of see it here, an all-in-one mixer. Yeah. Um, with the intention nice. of really just practicing and learning how to beat match and have confidence around mixing so that I can show up and do that. And I'm practicing and stuff, but I'm like 
I want to share it with somebody. Like it's totally. It's just not fully flowing for me in my particular scenario. Um, mm. And there's moments, and I stick with it. But I really recognize my relationship with music as much as I have an intimate one-on-one relationship with music where it really flourishes is where I'm fucking catching that vibe with someone else and getting lost, kind of melting into it together. Uh, what comes up for you when I when I bring this stuff up? Do you have, what's your your one-on-one relationship with music and then how important is it for you to share and have have that aspect as well i think there's a huge difference in um and i've been trying to like understand this myself and i really think there's a huge difference between playing an instrument and being a musician and what and being a dj and creating uh, an environment with a selection of music and i think for me if i'm alone and i'm playing an instrument i could sit there for hours because it's kind of like an organic um relationship that you have with this thing that vibrates and makes sounds and you control it and and you it responds to your body to your energy and i think yeah with with djing as well it's a different it's a complete different format it's completely different and it has its it's beauties as well where you can sit there with really nice speakers and you can listen to music and it makes you feel a certain way, which is completely different to what it feels like when you're playing a guitar song and you can feel the guitar vibrating. And um, just because I, I only get into this because as a person who performs live sets where I'm making all the music myself and I perform it live and it's everything that I've written, when you're trying to exist in a DJ world, it's really difficult because it's just a complete different thing. Like it's not, you're not responding to the room like a DJ does and changing the vibe. If you think you need to, you're not reading the energy of the crowd and changing your, what you're doing because of what the crowd's doing. When you're doing a live set, you're generally pretty locked into whatever it is. And it takes a long time to get into the realm where people are there to see your show because essentially my live set is an hour and a half of the same song, but just all in different formats because it's my sound. And so I'm really trying to grasp the difference between it and trying not to worry about it so much because I really think there's a huge difference. And like you see some DJs do some amazing things and they, and it's so much different to watching a guy like shred a guitar solo. I just, I find this, I mean, maybe it's not like this, but I just feel it's just it's just a complete different art form, and it's interesting to um, to be in the same world because it's music, it's dance music, it's for the club. But there's just this I find there's this huge difference, and that's what I'm. It makes me feel it kind of helps me because I'm not so worried about it because I'm not because often I compare myself to other DJs. I'm like, man, I, I need to make faster music. I need to, it needs to be like this because. I need to be like this DJ. I want to play at midnight, not, you know, two in the afternoon or in the morning. I want to, you know, but I think the more you do that, the more you try to be like a DJ, the less you be like yourself as a musician. And um, it's really, yeah, it's interesting. So back to your question, I think sharing music is in whatever format is is the real beauty of it. You know, I, I love to play for myself. But man, I love to play for other people. You know, it's to be able to share it is 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 like a true 
outlet, you know, and same with DJing. When you can play songs and you can fill a space with a beautiful sound and you can affect the whole ambience of a room, that's the, that's the real magic. You know, I think music is made to be shared. Um, and, uh, yeah, I love it the most. Like I, when I'm, I really love, I still play guitar and sing a lot. And when I play guitar to a group of people, especially when I don't know them and I'm in some random place and that's when I feel like I am who I am when I'm sitting there. Cause I'm a guitarist at heart. So when I'm sitting there doing that, no matter it's, it always brings me back to who I am and where and what, what it is that I do. And it's really interesting because you could just be with people that you know, people that you don't know, and you're just the same thing that you've always been when you're doing this. And it's a really crazy feeling. And I feel very grateful to be able to experience this. Um, and it's, it's, and doing, and doing that has paved my life for me by being a guitar player and just doing that that's paved everything that's inspiring mm. are there particular venues that you prefer to perform at um do you prefer playing at a festival as compared to a club yeah i think festivals are definitely suited for what i'm doing um you know mid-afternoon sunshine and trees guitar singing beats you know all this kind of stuff it can work at a club too um it's just it's just um it's definitely like really nice in a festival but i've also had some great shows in in some clubs here um i've had a couple of nice shows in carter in the last you know last year or so um but in in being booked for club shows it's also pushed me to kind of think oh maybe i should write slightly faster more like thump thump kind of tunes you know and maybe don't have such long instrumental guitar solo breaks you know because <laughs> you need to keep the dance floor rolling um so it's it's yeah i think i definitely the festival is definitely the nicer environment and definitely much preferable but i'm at the point where i just want to play all the gigs i just want to play everywhere i don't care just give me a gig i want to play the gigs you know like that's what i want to do just want to share the music and just and because it helps me to learn it helps me to grow when i when i learn from the mistakes i make or i learn how the songs work in a crowd or on a club system like you can hear the music and you can think okay cool i need to change this and it, it really helps the process when you're playing gigs it's like a without gigs you can't really go anywhere i don't think i mean you can i guess you know the beatles stopped playing shows after five years but um and just release music for the following five but and what i want to do i just want to play shows <laughs> i saw on i think instagram that you played at this place that recently i, I just recently heard about it casa ray in portugal casa Rey, uh, yeah is that right yeah yeah that looks like a pretty magical spot that would be fitting for for your style yeah, it was super nice. Um, it's a beautiful spot, uh, and a, on a beach just north, sorry, south of Lisbon called Costa de Caparica. Um, and yeah, they've got this beautiful restaurant and bar slash club. Um, and unfortunately, they had some trouble with the police of some licensing things, so they had to end the party early. But I was fortunate to be still below the cut so i got to play the kind of last headlining slot um and it was really nice to have like a finally have some sort of um 
headlining uh, full crowd party, you know, and it was super fun. I had a lot of fun and it was just nice to play to a full crowd where everyone's enjoying it. Um, Cause you have so many shows where like you're playing early and you don't have a crowd and it always, I just get so torn up by what I like to call the self-doubt devil. Self-doubt devil, it'll get you. Um, so when I have, you know, shows that I, there's no crap, yeah, it's deep. <laughs> but like if I have, whenever I have shows that there's not a crowd or there's not something, you know, I always just think it's, I'm just not doing the right thing or I suck at producing or like my master chain isn't good enough. It's not thumping enough. And you go through all these, it's so, it's so chaotic um, because you're obviously you're, playing with DJs who are just playing mastered tunes or vinyl and it sounds great. It sounds great. You know, it's been mixed and mastered. Whereas I'm like, yeah, my live set's mixed somewhat and my master chain is like somewhat good, I think. I don't know. Like there's no there's no right or wrong way to do it. That's the crazy thing about Ableton. You can just do whatever you want. So the self doubt devil is a constant um a constant relationship which I have and you've just got to be there with it and say hello to them and wave at them as they pass you by and appreciate them for being yeah. there because they're there trying to protect you in some way, um, protect you from like the fear of failure or whatever. But um, yeah, and this is this brings me back to that kind of realizing that being a live act compared to a DJ is just a completely different thing. So no need to worry about it. It's easier said than done, but that's, yeah. I'm trying to tell myself this right now. <laughs> Do you find that the the self-doubt devil shows up uh, when you're performing and there's not a lot of people on the dance floor? Is that an example? Definitely, yeah. It definitely happens. Or if if I, you know, it, you know, you look up and you, the song drops and you're like, wait, does this sound good? Are people dancing? Are people not dancing? It doesn't sound as like loud as what the DJ before me sounded. Am I, is this, you know, or if I... Even if something as simple as I had a show earlier this year back in New Zealand and um, I didn't have my guitar pick in my pocket. And so the first 20 minutes of the show, I didn't have a pick and it was super tough to play. And I got really, you know, self-conscious about my guitar playing because it was all a bit sloppy. And I was like, oh, God. And then it kind of throws you off, you know, and you're just like, oh, that I've ruined it. The guitar playing was terrible. And, and it... I get, I just, the classic artist thing, just being tough on yourself. Um, or if I turn my microphone on and it feeds back and it goes, and in these moments where we don't have the guitar pick and self doubt voice is coming in, um, how valuable is it for you if there's someone in the audience who's just, catching a vibe and sends you that feedback that they're yep. feeling what what you're doing does that have the power to potentially get you out of your head and back into flow mode it definitely helps it definitely helps it it won't ever it hasn't in in, in where i am so far i've had these moments where i see someone really vibing out and i'm like okay sick they're enjoying it but my brain is too powerful to like let that fully allow me to let go. Like I, it, it won't happen until I finish the show and I can go back and talk to people and I can sit down and be like, 
Okay, and that's when I let go. Um, but yeah, it, it's a huge help, and I and I really love it so much when I see that. Um, and yeah, I had a few things also at this Casadea, um, the power cut halfway through the show, some for some reason, and it came back on, and you know, and I just remember seeing these people on the right hand side that were just going crazy and hearing them scream was was. <laughs> what what i needed to kind of help me push through because it was slightly stressful when the power cut i was like oh man i have to cut a few songs because we only have a certain amount of time you know so it was a, a lot to handle at one moment i've had a few moments where i showed up to a, a party maybe a small club and nobody was really dancing and I was feeling the music, so I started dancing, and then the DJ started getting energized, and then it was like he was playing for me, and we were like, whatever, you know, this is us right here, and yeah, it's pretty magical, and I, I like to hear about it from the performer's point of view, because I've done a little bit of DJing, and I've been on both sides of the decks, and mm. I actually feel more passionate about being in the audience and not forcing it but being a an open vulnerable vibe that like welcomes connection and flow on the dance floor and i feel like giving feedback to the the dj does a lot to kind of let them know that you're feeling it and they kind of totally. sink deeper into their flow. And I think everybody, everybody benefits when there's less thinking going on and absolutely, you can't force it and be like, Hey, I love it when you don't. But if you do love it, it's like, Hey, mm. you know, send that, mm. send that. I like mm. sending that feedback in. Um, but to your point there, the mind is strong and uh, the mind is strong it tends to dig deeper and, and ask, ask more questions. And do you find that your relationship with the, the self doubt thing has, has evolved as you've been performing more and more? Definitely. Yeah, totally. And, um, I was in France, uh, a couple about like a month ago playing some festivals. Um, and one of the guys, we had this, I played two festivals, the first one, and then I hung out with the crew all week. And then we went to the second one. And, um, first one's called Chateau Pache. The second one's called Kamiwaza. And the guy who runs Kamiwaza, Nico, um, he was really sweet. And I've had a lot of like, I didn't have a very good show at the first festival. The sound system was not quite where it should have been. Perhaps it wasn't, you know, people weren't really dancing. It was kind of weird. The DJ booth, I was quite far back and I just didn't really enjoy it. And I had a lot of, you know, self doubt. Um, and what Nico said, which was really helpful, actually, he's, he was like, you've got to give permission to the people to lose their shit. If you're there, like losing your shit, it gives everyone else permission to do the same thing. And so if you look up and you see the DJ really enjoying themselves and they're like in it, you're like, hell yeah, he's doing it. I'm going to do it too. And I've really tried to embody that. And, and sure enough, you know, a week later when I played at his festival, I just did that and it just turned into this amazing fun, you know, I just, it was kind of raining. Um, I'd fallen ill that day and I was like a little bit like, Oh God, I got to play. And I feel like shit, but 
I just got over it and just went into it, just enjoyed it and just, you know, you, you, the first two songs when you're like pretending to be really into it, it feels weird because you're, you're not into it yet, but you're just somewhat putting it on. But then when you do that, you're just, you're there confidently and you're like smiling. You're like, yeah, this is my fucking song. Like, check this synth line out. Boom. You watch me rip this guitar solo, <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, it was, it, it just, and it allowed everyone to let loose and go crazy. And, and it was a really, really enjoyable live set. And I had so much fun and it was complete change to what I'd experienced the week prior to that just because of, of some really like um, strong words of advice. I feel like the, the master level of being able to lose it, like Jim Carrey level of losing it, um, yeah. can, can tune into that anywhere. Um, yeah. I think as we work towards that mastery level, the circumstance really does matter quite a bit. Do you think do you think you would have been able to lose it even if the sound system wasn't great? The stage is super far back. Nobody's really vibing. Like that's, that's where the true test comes in. Yeah, definitely. And fortunately, and, and obviously it's funny you mentioned the sound system was that the sound system on this stage was super nice. Um, it was the small quadraphonic function one. Um, we set it up the night before uh, at this little stage, just four tops on stands two subs just smacked them in the middle underneath the DJ booth. We turned it on, turned it up, didn't do anything, put on a song and it just like, it was just crisp. It was so nice. And I, and I remember getting so excited. I was like, Oh my God, I get to play on this tomorrow. Like it's going to sound amazing. And it did. It sounded great. And I was like, fuck yeah, it sounds sick. Cause it's a huge thing, man. Like nice. sound system is so important, especially with a live set. Um, so you're also at the mercy of that sometimes, you know, like, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, but you can't let it get in the way. You've just got to do your best to enjoy it regardless. I think, you know? Yeah. I think that, you know, as human beings, it's very natural that we're going to let the feedback of other people have an influence on how we feel about ourselves, particularly if we're an artist and we're choosing to share our craft with the world on really loud speakers. But ultimately, I think that, you know, if you can, if everyone um, can do their best to just really trust their process and the time they've put into it and the love and the essence of sharing these gifts and then it's less about how the outside world responds and more about like how am i showing up to share my gifts and if mm. it's raining and the sound system doesn't work you know i'm still here and it's easier said than yeah. done but i think uh yeah that's the deeper path that i'm working on cultivating on my life is like still remaining sensitive to reception like not just mm. being stone about that like no i like i like to feel the vibe off other people but to not be so damn dependent on it um yeah because you know sometimes things don't go your way and it it's not meant to be taken so personally but but we can i think it's just when you care when you care about it so much it's it's hard to you know when you care about it it's just like oh but i just want it to be 
so perfect, you know, and and it's also a lesson to to learn to to not set your expectations too high. Just don't, because obviously when you're leading up to a gig, you get excited. You're like, oh my god, I'm playing 4 p.m. at this festival. It's going to be super nice if it's sunny. Like, and you just. And you finish a new song and you're like, how's this song going to sound when I do it? And I'm going to do this guitar solo and it's going to be sick. And and then it doesn't turn into that and you're like, oh, why not? So another lesson I've had is um, just lower the self-expectation. <laughs> it's tricky because the excitement brings so much energy. It's like I still want to mm. tap into the excitement, but reduce mm. the attachment to it going that certain way i think that's that's where it yep. gets tricky um yeah i wanted to ask you we're, we're getting towards the end of the hour here but um you had mentioned uh for a while in berlin you were just hitting up sisyphus and Cotterblau pretty regularly as a as an attendee a dancer do you still do that and at what rate are you going to shows just simply as a fan I don't do it too much these days. It's weird. It's funny. As soon as you get involved in the business, that you don't you don't like go out and party as much. Um, also, like right. I still love to go out, but I'm just I think I'm just much more picky now and much more um, in tune with what the music is. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know about this song. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, this vibe sucks. Like, yeah, I don't know about. It. Whereas back then, I had no idea, so I just went and it was great. And I was just like great whereas these days i'm just so my brain is just like um but i do still go out if if there's like someone that's really cool that's playing fortunately in berlin there's loads of amazing djs playing all the time um acid Pauli was playing it in a club called elzer on sunday i didn't go um i wasn't too feeling i was just i i just got back from egypt for this random thing um so i was a bit like tired and whatever but that's the beauty of it you know if i wanted to just go watch acid paulie like he's an amazing amazing dj um but yeah i don't go out nearly as much as what i used to for sure uh also just because it was becoming a little bit unhealthy (laughs) sure i can relate a lot to what you're saying about you know six years ago you didn't really know much about the music so you just go and have your mind blown with whatever was playing exactly Um, i i reached a point this last year or so where i was starting to explore like djing like man maybe maybe there is something there for me and i mean there's a lot of layers to it but yeah ego was all over the place and like i'd be going to shows or listening to sets and being like they played this track and like just really critical and a lot of it was coming from uh what i would describe as like a fragile part of my ego trying to protect itself in a way Mm. and i just didn't like it and recently like a week ago even i had this pretty big shift where i was like I might DJ. I want to mix. I don't want to be a DJ. That's where I'm at. Like I want to have mixing capabilities, but I don't want to be a DJ. I want to get back to being a lover of the scene and, you know, letting you handle the music and let's do a podcast and let me help hype it up and let's create a festival together. That's more where I'm at. But spending 
hours a day listening for tracks that tickle me the right way, yeah, like I've become really picky about what I listen to. And it's like a double-edged sword. Like that's how you get really into some deep shit, but then it can be hard to enjoy uh, other music. So I'm kind of finding my balance with that as well. Yeah. Uh, What I... What I wanted to ask you about the clubbing is what kind of dancer is Harry Charles? If we're talking six years ago, Sunday Sisyphus session, what kind of, how are you moving and grooving out there? It's super funny because I was, I used to just be like in there just doing my own thing um, for a long time. And I remember specifically one day at Carter, this girl was like, you're not from here. Like, dance crazy. You're like, because I was just like, you know, like getting <laughs> yeah. down, like doing a little break, like a little like jig, you know, just, you know. And then obviously <laughs> over the years of dancing in Berlin clubs, you, you like become very refined and restricted and very like just two-step, just, just you know. Whereas these days it's right, like hands, right. be- hands behind the back, like tapping one foot, like, you know, and then if I get into it, then I'll like, then I'll move a little bit, but I'm very much like just hands behind the back, just like listening, just a little step, just a little step here and there. I mean, you know, if I really get into it, then I'll get going, but it takes a lot for me to get going these days. I'm very like reserved and like, oh yeah, I just do the classic like musician guy listening to the music, like, oh yeah, nice kick drum. Mm, that synth was nice. What is that? Prophet five? Mm, probably Prophet. Yeah. I'm I'm learning to understand that more. I've met many DJs and chatting with them while the music's happening and they're just yeah. like not, not dancing quite frankly and I'm like trying to have the like groove groove and chat, you know, and it's just yeah, one-sided yeah, yeah. and I'm like all right, this I feel like I'm kind of overdoing this a little, but damn, do you not move at all? Like, how are you making this music and you can't like, but I guess you're around it so fucking much. Um, and everybody's different, but I'm always curious. Totally. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm always around it and mostly I just love it when it's on a big sound system. I have a kind of a, a pet peeve about, um, I don't listen to much dance music, not in the club. Like, I'm mean, listening to my own music, and I listen to music when I want to like discover songs or like I check someone out, someone's mix or whatever. Um, but generally, when I'm like relaxing at home, I want to listen to you know I'm I'm just a huge bossa nova and jazz um, fanatic, and just basically listen to bossa nova all the time. Um, but yeah, it's 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 weird. Like, the more I've gotten into it, and the more I've gone into production the less i've enjoyed the music and i've also i have my own opinion about where i think the down tempo sound is going um or where it's gone in recent years and also how a lot of other electronic music has sped up a lot um and gone really fast that kind of like 90s throwback house that's a huge thing at the moment i'm not really into that um i love the like mid-tempo melodic deep you know, just give me some OY, 2019 OY shuffles and I'm I'm into it, you know. I love the groovy stuff. Um, and there's, and especially in down tempo, I've, there's not, I don't find much groove anymore in, in that sound, which I'm kind of trying to continue to 
put into it. Um, I find down tempo has gone very like dark and like very much like it's kind of like machine. Well, speaking about music and down tempo, before we get out of here, you got an EP coming out this Friday on Seraphin Audio and Print. Uh, it's four tracks, is that correct? Four tracks, yeah. Were these created together? Is it a, a mixed bag of stuff you were working on? It was. It all came together pretty fast, actually. Um, I was back in New Zealand earlier this year for for the summer there, and um, I was living in a in a house out in in the middle of the native bush on the west coast of Auckland. Um, and it was all written in this house, which is one seven one is the number of the house on the road. Um, classic, cool. you know. I didn't. I could. I don't know. I couldn't be bothered thinking about some deep mystical name. Um, just kept it true to what it was, and it was amazing to just write something for a dance floor or you know a club setting, but in the middle of the bush where there's just birds and trees and silence and mosquitoes. And um, it was, yeah, it just came really quickly. And I was playing some gigs there and I wanted to freshen up my live set. So I just wrote a bunch of stuff. And some of them I wrote in like three days, you know. I think the second track, Help Themselves, I pulled that together in like four days. Um, And Mm. the the first track out of four also came together within like a week. Just I was just like in the zone, you know, just in this gorgeous, silent place. which was really interesting because when I got back to Berlin, I was um, trying to like write some more stuff. And in the first month or so I was here, it was just hard to find any sort of inspiration because I was back in the middle of the concrete jungle. It was really interesting. All I wanted to do was write ambient music. So it was, it's just really interesting what your environment, um, how it has an effect on you. At what point did you come up with the name Don't Flee So Easily while working on that track? I really resonated with that track. And then I saw yeah. the title and it was yeah. pretty triggering for me. Right. Um, yeah. Um, that's a great question because a lot of my song titles come out of thin air. Um, it was probably some thought or feeling of like face up to whatever you're going through and don't run away from it. But again, I can't even remember. I remember there was... Um, I had written a verse for it to sing um, on that track, but it never made the cut because I, I don't know, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, but yeah, I can't give you a solid answer on why it's called that. And I can't give you a solid answer on why any of my songs are called what they're called. It's always very random and they often start out as one name, like, I don't know, it'll be like Blue Table Sunshine, something like this. And then it just stays like that forever. Or like um, help themselves. The project was called Russian Jazz. I don't know why, you know. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, they kind of start out like that, and yeah. But I, I just kind of I liked the ring of it. I think, and um, that song definitely has like a, a kind of a melancholic but empowering feeling, and so I I, I kept it that way because I felt it. It's my favorite. Yeah, I like it too a lot actually. Um, the uh, the synths that come in in the last part that's all like war 
um, was an inspiration from um, that James Blake song, Retrograde. You know, if you know that song, he's got these crazy synth, synth saw drones that he does. Um, check that out. But that was kind of like the, and I just, it just happened randomly on the synth. It was like, and I was like, oh, that's that James Blake thing. Like, record it. Nice. Um, which is pretty funny. But yeah. Yeah, it found me. And then the melody as well. I don't know. The melody just came out one day. Um, I know. I just, I just love those kinds of like, deep feeling melodies and it always feels empowering to play it as well you know i I love that kind of i've had a lot of those kinds of moments in songs over the years cool yeah it sounds beautiful i have thanks man two things before we get out of here uh first could you help me and the audience here with some direction into an album or an artist in the bossa nova world because I'm interested, but clearly you sure. spent a lot of time there. Um, give yes. us a couple names, sprinkle some seeds. There's um, the one of the main guys, uh, uh, Antonio Jobim. He's kind of like the godfather of Bossa Nova. Um, Sue George and um, Zhao, that's so hard to pronounce his name, Zhao Gilberto. There's another one. Um, he did an album with Stan Getz, who's also okay. an amazing uh, Bossa Nova jazz artist. Um, I've got a, I've got a, I shouldn't somehow make this public. Um, I've got a, a Bossa Nova playlist that I've put together, thanks to uh, my incredible tastes and the uh, Spotify algorithm. Um, and it's called, um, it's basically because of Brazil. So I'll have, to, I'll send it to you, and you can get in, get into it. But that's yeah, I don't know. It's just so nice. Yeah, we should. Sh- do you want to share that with the world? Definitely. Yeah, I can share it for sure. <laughs> All right. We can make that happen. Uh, last thing before getting out of here. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Mate. It's been lovely to connect. I'd love to do it again. Yeah, we will. We will. We'll keep this going. Next time we'll do it in Berlin. Sounds great. As you have a release coming this Friday, if if anyone's listening who is a fan and they want to support you, um, what's the best way they can do that from your perspective? You know, is it sharing it on Spotify, buying it on Bandcamp? Like, just really honestly, what's the best way that we can support you if if we feel called to? Yeah, I think I think Bandcamp tour is a good start for for buying the music, um, but pretty much just like sharing it with other people, I think is is a great way to because it's all there, and I think I just really wanted to get it out to as many people as possible. Um, I've done all this work, and it's so hard to 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 reach people um, if you don't play by some of the algorithmical rules. Um, so follow me on Instagram that's a great help that's huge like that's so important and share it via spotify and just and listen to it i guess you know if, if you like it like play it a couple times it's all about those kinds of numbers it's kind of it's a crazy world to to live in with with um releasing music online these days but I've got to play the game so um any sort of support basically just like any sort of like make some noise on instagram that's a you know a huge help um yeah that's about (laughs) it really (laughs) well hopefully we can send some of that 
that love and energy your way. Really appreciate what you're doing with the music and just your overall Thanks, vibe as a human. Um, I want to end up in Berlin April, May next year. So also planting seeds if anyone is listening and can help find me a little bedroom somewhere in a cool little artist yes. house. It's got to be out there. Hey, there's some. They're out there. They're I'm out there. interested. I know they're out there. So Airbnb is just Airbnb is just like not an option anymore. The prices are insane. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll make much. it happen. But until then, yeah. thank you and uh, congrats on the release, brother. Thank you very much.